You're listening to Life's a Witch, um, and there are no hosts because it's it's me. But I do have I do have guests, and that is um, uh, Francisco, who's an American witch. Nope, I lied. <laughs> He's a Mexican witch. <laughs> um, and then Michael McMillian, who is an actor, and you probably know him from True Blood and my crazy ex-girlfriend um and he's also uh the host on bigfoot collectors club well hello hello sorry i jumped my intro there real no it's okay because i i also extended your introduction um (laughs) but i wanted to talk to you because one i just started my podcast again um because i had a podcast that was going well and then and then COVID happened and then life happened and then I ended up writing two books. Mm-hmm. So my my podcast went to the wayside, but I wanted to resurrect it because honestly, I think it's because of Spotify. Um, they had all those uh uh like what oh, were you, you saw everybody to? else getting mm-hmm. shout outs yes! on Spotify and you got <laughs> you got envious and you're like I did, Wait a I did. <laughs> Though there were like two people who were listening to my podcast that I was like, Oh, that's really awesome. Uh, and oh, they that's were like, nice. You should, yeah, they were like, you should start this again. And I was mm-hmm. like, I should, I should. So now, I I had the the October October rush is mm-hmm. done. So now I had this kind of lull. So I was like, let's let's get back to the podcast. Yeah. Um, but Michael, I want to invite you because uh, I've known you for a while, and uh, you're an actor. And the more that I look at things like I feel like owning a store a lot of people are attracted to witchcraft based on what they've seen in pop culture Mm. and I was like what a perfect episode to do on witchcraft and magic and the occult in pop culture uh, with an actor who has also been in a show that has magic that is also now like I don't know True Blood is very much in our pop culture Oh, yeah, for sure. Also, I want to say you've been a guest many times on Bigfoot Collectors Club. Yes. Yeah. Um, Your listeners should check that. Check out your episodes on that. No, definitely check out Bigfoot Collectors Club because it is it is pretty awesome. But I realize it's so funny because having you on my podcast or on this podcast, I was like, I feel like there are questions that I never got to ask you when I was a guest on your podcast on, on Bigfoot Collectors Club. And I have, I have them here. I mean, I have them here. I have them in my brain. But one of them was like, I want to start with like, have you, well, one, first, what's your sign? Because that's what I ask everyone. What's your sign? Does it resonate with you? And, uh, and then my second question is, have you ever had a supernatural experience? Oh, boy. Well, okay. Let me take this one step at a time. One, I'm a Libra. Uh, I'm a Libra on the cusp. I'm October 21st is my birthday. So I'm, I got like two days left of being a Libra and I'm a, I know my rising sign is Scorpio. Um, that's about all I know. I mean, Libras are like supposed to be, you know, balanced and extroverts and social butterflies and all of that seems to be, uh, applicable to my personality you know yeah you're lot, very social a lot of actors i think are libras i feel like i know a lot of people who were born in october um so either we all gravitate towards uh the performing arts or 
also a lot of Leos, as you can probably imagine. Um, or, you know, our parents just all had sex on New Year's Eve, and then, you know, 10 months later, we were born. Dylan lost you. Yeah. Oh, you're back. There we go. You disappeared for a second, but that's because I got a call (laughs) that that I have to. (laughs) I know it sucks. Like, so here's my issue, just so the whole world knows, is that I wanted to do this on my Mac, but my my the holes and inputs aren't the same. Mm -hmm. So it only fits into my iPhone. Um, we'll put it on uh put put that on do not disturb oh i can do that can't i yeah oh look at look at you look at you you're you're a tech wizard can you still hear me i can there we go very exciting i know i feel like i'm learning new like the world is with me on my on my discovery of logical journey. Poor Francisco is like, I am not here. He's like, I'm this out. This man has written two books. I know, but can't, <laughs> but is technologically challenged. Um, is this you not disturb? It's the one that's it's a little moon sign on that's your iPhone. Little moon, the little moon. Oh, there we go. Focus. Okay. Do not disturb. Ah, there we go. That'll show him. That'll show him. Okay. See, I'm learning, uh, learning things all the time. Uh, but I, that sign makes sense. Knowing you, I feel like I, I, I think you're a very social person. So being a Libra, I think resonates. And I know a lot of actors are Libras or Leos. Um, yes. And I think you probably have a sassy quality. So that could be your Scorpio. Yeah, I think there's, I think there's definitely a little Scorpio influence in there as well. Uh, and then let's see uh, the was that the second question was do the second question was yeah supernatural experience oh okay well plenty i mean uh i have a whole podcast about supernatural experiences um what do you want to know i mean i've told i've told these stories multiple times on on my show but um i've definitely seen weird things i've seen like a ghost of a little girl that haunted uh uh my my campus in Michigan. I what was, uh, really? I was at Interlochen Arts Academy, and uh, there was a theater called Gruno Theater. Uh, it was where we had most of our acting classes. It was it's it had been around since the twenties uh, or thirties actually, and uh, overlooked a lake. Um, so Interlochen Center for the Arts is in northern Michigan. It's out in the middle of the woods. Um, so it's already got like a, uh, you know, uh, Midsummer Night's Dream kind of magical feeling about it. Whether, you know, and especially in the winter when it's all snowy and, you know, there's just there's something there's an energy there. And it's like, you know, they're all all these students are there playing, you know, learning instruments and creative writing and dance and acting and write, you know, theater. I said writing twice. Anyway, 
So there was a, there were always stories that this little girl Lois Gruno, who had she had been a camper, a summer camper who had drowned in Green Lake, which uh, the 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 theater was on a little bluff that overlooked the lake, and so there were stories of a little girl's form walking across the ice at night, you know, Damn. in the dead of winter. Uh, theater students would hear all sorts of weird noises. Things would be moved around. Um, and everyone said, you know, like you, once you moved there, they're like, Oh, we have a ghost in our theater. It's Lois. She's a seven year old. Um, and the beginning of my senior year, uh, my friend and I were walking down to the theater to take a look because the fire marshal came in over the summer and was like, this place is a tinderbox. They stripped out all the seats, all the curtains. Basically, it became a bare bones space where we were allowed to have like 19 people in class, you know, no oh more, no, gosh. you know. Um, so we were really sad because of the theater, obviously, for any, you know, theater kid is like a very sacred space. And, you know, a lot of really cool productions had gone up in there. And there was another bigger theater. So, you know, it's like it wasn't like we didn't have a theater anymore. But so we were walking down the hill. And I remember we were um, approaching the theater and uh, I suddenly got the chills and I looked over and my friend kind of had a spooked out spooky look on her face as well. And um, we for whatever reason, I like my attention was drawn to one of two windows that faced the path we were on. And the windows looked into what would have been the girl's dressing room. And I was looking at the window and the screen and the window was bent just enough. So like the light, you could see into the room. And I saw the best way to describe it was it was like watching a Polaroid picture come into focus. There was like wow. a there was like a um, faint smudge like sitting behind the window. And the longer I looked at it, I could see it develop. And suddenly, like, I could see the eyes and the nose and the shadow, you know, the, like, lower lip. Um, this face started to form um, to the point where I could see hair parted down the middle and then braided into pigtails, kind of like Laura Ingalls Wilder from Little House on the Prairie. Dang. Damn. And at that moment, at that exact moment, <clears throat> I've been staring for I'd say solid 30 seconds in silence. Um, as soon as I saw the pigtails, I was like, okay, well I'm just staring. My eyes are just playing tricks on me. And my friend said, Michael, can you see her pigtails? <gasps> wow. And what? we both kind of did that clutched each other. And then I was like, I have to take a closer look. And she's like, I'm not getting any closer. So I walked down the hill um, and by the time you approach the theater, because of the grading, the windows are sort of above your head. They're they're about, you know, 10 feet off the ground, maybe nine feet off the ground. So I walked down and I looked up and I could see the white of her eyes. This very pale little girl was sitting in the window looking at me out of the corner of her eye Um she was she looked solid but she looked very 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 pale like Hell like no. the way you hear in old ghost stories 
And my brain did this thing where I was like, oh, it's my friend, uh, cat. No, it can't be. No, uh, theater's locked. No, it's my teacher. Did, did, no, that's that's not like <laughs> my brain started doing this thing looking for a rational explanation. Like I could feel my brain like overworking to rationalize and understand what it was looking at. And then it was like a cartoon. I could feel like letters blinking in my brain does not compute does not compute and that's when i screamed and ran back to my friend remember we're, we're we were drama students so we were also very you know um dramatic yes and, yeah. uh, <laughs> comes with and the i ran back to her and it was weird it was like the chill suddenly went away and we looked back at the window and nothing was there except you could see the back of a chair pulled up to the windowsill where she'd been sitting um so yeah it's uh that that was wild and like damn that was very strange i now is that the soul of a little girl hanging out in a theater i don't know is it like i some think sort of absolutely energetic impression you know time thumbprint i don't know you know but whatever it was is what i was like oh that's what people when people talk about seeing a ghost, that's exactly what that felt like, you know? Absolutely. Um, I definitely think, I mean, well, first of all, can I just say, like, you telling your story, <laughs> like, there were moments where, like, I got chills. Mm -hmm. I, you're very good at telling stories, Michael. Well, thanks. Um, well, yeah. Ho hopefully that means I'm in the right business. But no, <laughs> I, I still are. get, I actually just told this story uh last week my girlfriend had never heard that story and i was like oh i never told you this and i tell the story and i st i get goosebumps and the hair stands up on the back of my neck when i think about it and it was wild like the next few weeks i it, it, it was almost like a borderline traumatic experience because i started to go why is this little girl trapped here can she not does this mean there's no afterlife that we're all doomed you know what i mean like and I would have nightmares. I remember having a nightmare where I was like something else. I was like walking through a house and then all of a sudden it was as if my dream was interrupted. I could feel like water rushing up around me and I was frozen and I could hear a little girl like crying for her mother. Oh my gosh. And so there was just like, it was a really, it really fucked with my head, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Because it was a sort of paradigm shift of, of how it was sort of the thing, like, be careful what you wish for, because I always wanted, like, to see a ghost or, you know, to have that. Yeah, once I did. You, the thing that sucks about these things is once you have that experience, whether it's a ghost or seeing a UFO or having like something truly paranormal, there really isn't any box to put it in other than I don't know what this was, but I know what I saw, you know, and 100 percent. And that's the frustrating thing because there really is no explanation for it yet, you know? So you have to just base it on what you've been told from stories or what you've heard on podcasts like this one and say, this is the closest thing that I could attribute it to. And also it was very cliche in its presentation, you know? So then you go, well, now I'm starting to believe all this other stuff that I've been hearing about ghosts because it, it described it exactly, you know? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And and I'll say this. I think one of the reasons why I, I have this weird, like, keeping things to myself yeah. because 
un- unfortunately, like, I love your story and I've had similar experiences. But then for me, it's like, okay, well, I don't want to be seen as, okay, here's this other witch psychic who's had this experience. Like, yeah. I-, I think there's such a stigma of people who's had those experiences, especially in the spiritual community, because they are seen as charlatans or they're seen as as being theatrical or dramatic. Mm-hmm. But I've seen some crazy shit, too. Um, and I think it's hard because it's like, are you going to be believed or are you going to be seen as crazy or dramatic? Yeah. You know, because I also went to um, I went to school for musical theater and and like I've seen some shit and like. I, I always tell people when I went to Egypt and Greece and Rome, I had some crazy supernatural experiences. Um, but I, I feel like there was this stigma of, well, of course you had that because you love that. And yeah. I think you, you, you kind of force yourself to believe that. So when you have these experiences, I'm always on the, like, w- at least for me, I'm always like, I know this, I know this is real. I've had this experience but then I'm also very, uh, unless it's a podcast or like a close friend, I'm also <laughs> very wary of the stories that I tell, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but also what I will say about the little girl, the fact that you were having those dreams of water and stuff, I truly believe that you probably tethered your energies were entwined in some sense. And I think that she, I know what you think, Francis, San, uh, San Francisco. San Francisco. Oh my God. Never heard that before. <laughs> Let's, never, Let's never. get the city's opinion on this one. San Francisco, how do you feel about ghosts? How do you feel? Well, I am definitely feeling. I'm going to start with that. I mean, I. it's funny because I've noticed from my own experiences and things that I've heard from other people, one thing is seeing like an apparition and then it's gone forever and you never think about it again. But when you start having like dreams, when you start having certain sensations, it kind of, I feel like there's always more to it because I feel like an apparition that just appears and disappears may not be, have too much of a meaning, but when there is like a lingering effect, mm-hmm. a lot of times there's more to be said. There's a little bit more information to unfold there. Absolutely. And I think the fact that you were having those dreams and stuff, I don't think that's just a, oh, I saw this now I'm going to continue thinking about it. I think there was a, 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 I'm not going to say tethering of energy, but I do think there was a reason why you mm-hmm. had those dreams. Well, it, so if this helps, I have a little, I have a couple thoughts on that. One, you always hear people experience more paranormal activity when there's like renovations being done on a house or something, you know, that people are putting in like a new room or tearing down a wall. You'll hear, hear stories that like, that sort of disrupts the spirits in the house and they tend to present themselves more. So this would fall in line with that since the, the, the theater had been gutted, you know? Yeah, and as, absolutely. As, as kids, we thought, you know, we felt sorry. We were like, Oh, poor Lois, poor Lois, her home is being gutted. So we already had the empathy uh, for a spirit in a situation where that, it you know co- according to folklore is more likely to agitate a spirit and and make themselves known so there's that and then the year before towards the end of the school year a bunch of us guys in the dorm we made a homemade ouija board and oh. we were like 
trying to cut yeah we 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 took a canvas and we drew um the the board the letters on uh, a canvas and then we made a planchette out of an old um cassette tape case and Amazing. we like made little pads for it and then put masking tape to make a triangle to highlight you know what what letter we were looking at and it worked um there were like eight of us in the room this thing was moving around but we were frustrated because we would ask a question and we weren't looking for anybody specifically. Um, but any time we would ask a question, it would it would spell things out in repetition, but wouldn't make sense. And sometimes it didn't even look like words. We had one guy writing everything down at all times so we could keep a track of what was happening. But like, for example, um, when when one of my friends was on, it kept. We would ask a question like, "Is there anybody there?" And it would sort of ignore our questions and just start sending messages. And like one of them was like, "T R I D I C, T R I D I C, T R I D I C," over and over and over and over again. And so we were noticing that pattern, but being like, "Try dick. What does this mean?" You know what I mean? And of course, all the jokes that came along with that. Um, but then the uh, another one was C-R-G-N-T-R-Y, C-R-G-N-T-R-Y, C-R-G-N-T-R-Y. The only time uh, it spelled out a phrase, I was on and it said Mike's blood. I went what? by Mike in high school. Oh. And then the other thing it said was T-N-Y-F-R-M-N-Y a couple times. So we were just like writing this down and then we went and looked back over the log and we were like, Oh, Donovan was on. And it was like, try Dick D I C. And we realized he was doing a scene for class in Gruno theater from Richard the third. So Richard Dick try three. What? And then we went, I get chills thinking about this too. Then when uh one of the other guys was on, he was a playwright, Josh, and he they they were rehearsing a one act play in Gruno, where uh the characters were named Craig and Terry, and she had spelled out C R G N T R Y over and over and over again. Oh, I was doing I was rehearsing a, I was okay. rehearsing a play called Savage in Limbo, which is uh by um. Oh, gosh, the guy who wrote Moonstruck. Why am I blanking on his name? Um, famous playwright. It'll come to me in five minutes. But anyway, I played a character named Tony and was in New York. And that had been T-N-Y, uh, F-R-M-N-Y, Tony from New York. What? And the other thing that had happened that week in rehearsal is I had tripped over um, a piece of rehearsal furniture and I had skinned my shin and bled in the theater. So Mike Mike's bleeds. blood, Mike's, Mike's blood. blood. And we went down this list and everybody who had been on had some little code. She was basically, we realized she was associating us with the last time we had been in the theater or had been working on something in the theater. Okay. That's pretty crazy. I love that. I love that. And, and we didn't realize it until we sat down afterwards and we're like, Oh my God, these actually make sense. At the time we were like, 
how old are you? When did you die? And it would be like CRGNTRY, CRGNTRY. Like she was just ignoring all of the small talk and just being like, hey, I've seen you guys. And then we got back on. I remember we were like, is this Lois? And I, we may or I don't remember. I think we may have gotten a yes, but there was a book next to me and they, it had spelled out like page 72 or something. And we flipped to that and there was a portrait of like a woman in white, um, in this art book. And we we're like, Oh, that's kind of spooky. But, um, the stuff with the, like the weird code code words, identifying all of us in our association associations with the, with the theater, um, was pretty cool and i don't think any of us would have been clever enough to think that up or keep it up consistently because we're all taking turns on the board you know no i i agree that's that's pretty crazy i i I feel like you need to write this down and then it needs to be like in yeah are you afraid of the dark oh my god that's what it sounds like (laughs) it sounds like a standalone episode of some like show mm-hmm. like i could just like when you were describing it, i could like see the characters in yeah my mind. Like, i'm like uh-huh. yeah um but i want to ask you okay so i asked you about your supernatural experience and then i i don't know if if this is a a, a personal thing or but like you kind of like dabble so like i was gonna when is you well one when it comes to witchcraft or when it comes to magic um is that something that you have ever uh, practiced or studied or when did you kind of like, what is your experience uh, with that? Um, and then, well, then I guess I'll ask my second question after, cause I have another. Well, question. this actually is a good segue into the topic that you wanted to talk to you about pop culture. Um, I mean, I, there was a period which has now been probably over 10 years ago. There was a period where I was like, because of Grant Morrison and Alan Moore, two of my favorite comic book writers that are like really into magic with a K. Um, Alan Moore, especially through reading Promethea by Alan Moore and J.H. Williams III, the artist, and then Grant Morrison's The Invisibles, and then basically consuming anything that I could, um, any interview that I could with the two of them. But I think it was in the big book of i probably have it here it's like i think it's called the big book of disinformation which was put out by disinfo a publisher that i'm not even sure is around anymore but um grant morrison had written an essay on like pop magic and he has a you can go google i think it's still available on his website but basically he would talk about like chatting up gods and you know sigil magic and making sigils and so there was a period where I was toying around a little bit with sigil magic and sometimes it was just creating a sigil going into an audition and having like the sigil in my pocket during the audition and then burning it afterwards or whatever. But I would be like, I want to get a call back or I want to test for this pilot or blah, 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 blah. And a lot of times it would work. That's Um, awesome. I remember, I remember like, really this is like such a low-key example but i think it's also indicative of how sometimes like magic is kind of low-key and boring um but i remember like a friend and i were were trying to leave and i could not find my driver's license i could i was like tearing my room apart looking all over my apartment 
And I, for like a half hour looking for this driver's license. And finally I sat down. I was like, I'm just going to sigil it. And I wrote down, I want to, I want to find my driver's license and then broke this down. Basically you, you write a phrase, you knock out all of the, um, repetitive vowels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Vowels the vowels. First. Then all the, this talking. is for the listeners who may be like, what the fuck is he talking about? Then you take out any repetitive consonants and then whatever you're left over with, um, you combine into sort of a witchy symbol. Um, if you think of like the New York Mets logo or the New York Yankees logo, like those are sigils. Those are literal sigils of like were letters being put on top of one another, um, creating a sort of, you know, hexy looking symbol, if you think about it. And then basically the idea is to strip everything of its verbal meaning so you just sort of contextualize, crystallize the desire and send it out into the universe. And you can do this in a many different number of ways. Meditation, uh, in any altered state of consciousness. So like Graham Morrison talks about like if you're r- running a really high fever, that's a good time to do some sigil magic. Sex is one of those times, obviously, because you're in a bit of an altered state of consciousness. Mm-hmm. Dancing, anything, um, you know, getting yourself into sort of a non-ego state where you can launch this you know mentally launch this bright burning sigil into the you know into into the universe as you visualize it and in the driver's license case i was just like i'm just gonna do a quick charge i figured it was a pretty low-key thing so i just remember i i I created it and i like put it in my hands and i like shook my hands and i like gave a little scream and visualized Like I put all my frustration of not being able to find my driver's license into the sigil and pictured it like glowing gold, you know, over the night sky. And I was like, all right, put that down. I walked into the hallway from my bedroom and there was this table next to my bedroom door. I had already checked it. I know. And sitting right on top of the table was my driver's license just all by itself. So like within Mm -hmm. 30, like within 10 seconds found the driver's license. Now, was that did that mean that that driver's license manifested from some other lost place in my uh um apartment probably not but i do think whatever i did put me in the state of mind where i could focus and see it, immediately find it <laughs> you know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah. i don't know i don't know either way like i got results i was like i did this i put this information into out there and then i got what i wanted you know um, i totally agree i mean i that's that's a great story. Yeah. So it's not, you know, I think there are lots of times where magic is used for, I mean, there's a reason why, like, you use, like, sometimes you can use divination for finding lost things, mm-hmm. you know, or magic for finding lost things. That's very common, too. It's a very common, you know, that's a very common thing. But you mentioned a comic, uh, The Invisibles, right? I think... Yes. You told me about that. I just... There's a comic book store by uh, the shop, the Old World Emporium, that I just walked in. and Oh, is that uh, Brave New World? Yes, Brave New World. Yeah, great shop. Yes, it's a great shop. You know, maybe next time you go to Brave New World, you can come on over to the Old World Emporium. Listen, I haven't been yeah. to Brave New World since before the pandemic, okay? I'm not going up there and not seeing you, I promise. But yes, I need to get up there. I know. I'm going to look at Instagram, and it's going to be like a Michael... With all his selfies at Brave New World. <laughs> <laughs> um, but for Halloween, um, 
they we helped like sponsor each other for a Halloween event, but they had all their like witchy kind of magical comics out mm. and the invisibles was there and i remember you had told me about it so i just bought it uh back in october oh that's um, awesome that's awesome yeah and i started looking at it and i will say thing this about comics and i don't know how i got into it but i started looking at how they depict magic and in comic books specifically or graphic novels mm -hmm. and i have to say they're more i feel like graphic novels and comics really follow mythology more than TV. Yes. And yes. And like one example that I saw too. So like I, everyone was like, cause I was watching Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, the show. Mm -hmm. And someone was like, you have to read the comic. You have to read the comic. So I picked up the comic and in the comic, she does a honey jar. She like references real books. She references one of my like, Paul Hewson, who wrote Mastering Witchcraft. So it's very interesting. And then I started reading, what's the other one? Um, not Hellraiser. What's his name? Constantine. Mm -hmm. I love Hellraiser. Yeah. And that's not you were going for. Oh, not Hellraiser, like, but like... I Hellblazer. Like Hellraiser, but uh, Hellblazer. Hell, yeah, Hellblazer and Constantine. It's their, their companion. You know, John Constantine yeah. started in Hellblazer or... Mm -hmm could have started i don't think he started in sandman i think he predated sandman by neil gaiman but he was in one of those like vertigo dc comic books and then got his own book in hellblazer and then eventually that became constantine so yeah but i'm very impressed by the lore like they really i feel like they really follow lore like folklore and and like i don't want to say it's legit but it's kind of legit like i was like well, oh shit Alan Moore wrote a bunch of Hellblazer. I'm sure Grant Morrison wrote some Hellblazer at some point, or at least Constantine. And so a lot of times what you get are writers and artists who are into this stuff and want to do those, want to do the research and are actually putting some esoteric knowledge into, into the books, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah. And, you know, as somebody who's like dabbled in writing as well, it's always easier to go to the real thing and find inspiration from the real thing than trying to create some system of magic up on your own. You know what I mean? All it's of this true. stuff is out there. And if you're a good nerd, you know how to find it. But I think to your point, because there's actual truth in comics, um, and I don't know why TV, I think maybe there's just more cooks in the kitchen in TV than there are comic books. So things get noted to death or things are, uh, you know, TV is still there's still a lot of executives in TV that are afraid of looking uncool and putting something silly into a TV show. So so sometimes things get fucked up in that process, not to say that things can't get fucked up in a comic book process either, but there are just fewer cooks and I think more nerds, frankly, mm -hmm. um, in charge. Uh, and so you get some of this esoteric knowledge and occult knowledge pumped in especially if you're getting it from from writers like you know morrison or more or gaiman um and i'm sure it's even i've sort of lost touch a little bit with the indie comic scene and the smaller stuff lately i haven't been as is into it so i'm sure there's a whole new generation of creators that are doing this stuff as well absolutely and i hear like i read a little bit of sandman and i really liked it um, I'm excited about the show. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah. And like, well, even that, like, so I will say where it goes to pop culture, and I know these are still kind of comic books, but now shows. Mm -hmm. But I will say, like, I started watching Lucifer. 
Okay. And like, I really like the lore with Lucifer. Like, I love that that he, like, I I don't know. It was very like being someone who practices witchcraft, but also knows about Judeo Christian um, mythology. I know people are gonna kill me for saying that, but that's what it is. Yeah. Well, um, and that came out of Lucifer was a character in Sandman. So oh. that that was Neil Gaiman's take on the character. Oh, and snap. Neil Gaiman's working with a lot of he's not limited to it, but, you know, Sandman is pretty heavily based in mm-hmm. Western mythology. Now, he brings yes. in other stuff for sure. But, you know, there's a lot of like, you know, this is what Shakespeare was doing. You know what I mean? So there's it's it's sort of centered on the Western world a mm-hmm. bit. Um, but um, but yeah, so that's that's like. That's it. That that character in that TV show is a direct descendant from the Lucifer character in um, in in Sandman. That's awesome. So there we go. Comic books. Now we know. I feel like comic books know what's up. Comic books are the new grimoires. Yeah, right. Comic well, books it's are the new grimoires. And it's funny as you're saying this, I'm looking over at my bookshelf and obviously this was a conscious decision, but I just kind of forgotten that I'd done this. You know, I have like. Here's my like uh, occult section and like my cryptids and my UFO books. And then I have like different shelves for comic books and graphic novels. And I've got my Invisibles run in trade paperback. That's sitting in the occult section. It's not even with the graphic novels. Look at that. It really does feel like part of it is an instruction manual. And Grant Morrison has said that the book itself the entire run is a sigil it's it's one big magic spell that's really Um, cool i love that yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. that's pretty awesome um and i and you know i think in one of the because i just did this like three weeks ago but in one of the constantine books like he he uses the seal of solomon um, mm. And he mentions the the Goetia um, and and all these demons. And, and I just think that is so, you know, like so many other people could have just made up demons and made up some like look at freaking um, uh, Night of the Living Dead or whatever. They make mm-hmm. up like the Necronomicon and they make up all these things. Oh, yeah. yeah. And Evil Dead. Yeah. And, Evil Dead. Yeah. There and we go. Ghost, Evil Ghost, Dead. Ghostbusters. Similarly. Yeah, where they make up all these, they make up their creatures. Well, and I I think, sorry, sorry, I got excited. Go on. Oh, no, no, no. I I was just saying there's something to be said by those who really do their research. And and, and, and it makes me excited as as someone who practices and and loves this stuff. I think things like Evil Dead and Ghostbusters tend to be more influenced by H.P. Lovecraft and earlier horror uh, fiction as a, they're they're sort of the modernizations of that tradition as opposed to really going to the well and finding real you know like uh, hereditary for example pulls mm-hmm. directly from the lesser key of Solomon and they're yes. using yeah. uh, payment you know is is an entity they're dealing with in that sorry spoiler alert for anybody but basically like <laughs> they're using they're he's they're using real they're using stuff from yes you know gothic, and i think that you know, is so stuff amazing i remember yeah. watching mind you that movie scared the living daylights yeah, out of super creepy movie. hereditary loved it oh i can't i i saw it once and once was enough for me um when uh, there are so many moments in that movie where i was like what am i watching i mean i loved it in terms of i think it had a wonderful 
it was executed Very wonderfully, well executed. but it also like it is a horror movie that's that scared me. Well, there there was a lot of mem- like for me the moment that like got to me was when you see the headless mom like floating. Oh yeah, straight line and just like ascends into the the little like treehouse. I don't know. If there was something about that image of her just floating without her head. Yes. No. No. Um, no. Yeah. But- the the spookiest part of that movie, I feel like, are the final moments, and I won't. You know that stuff and like the sound and it, the, there's just something about it in that and in Midsummer as well, where you're like. The folk magic in this, while extreme, very extreme and hereditary, there's something that sort of feels like taps into the like, oh, this could be done to me and I wouldn't even know what's happening, which is Mm. like what the whole the idea of hereditary, that there's this sort of like generational generations long spell taking place and being cast you know, is super fucked up, you know? Yeah, no, and I love it. The other thing, too, like, I will say, too, like, I, one of my favorite uh, movies, like, and I know for some people, they think it's slow, but I love it, is The Witch. Oh, I think the 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 folklore, the New England folklore that they utilize is so true to form Mm -hmm. and it was such a real fear and also without telling it they they tell the story you see the beginning i mean like in new england you are you have the french you have the the native americans Mm -hmm. you have all these issues so when they leave and they build their little their little you know farm farm in the middle of nowhere it's like you know of course all that is going to influence i mean it was just so amazing yeah and you know they did a re- a pretty wonderful job of including the little tidbits of signs of a witch. So you had like yes. the, the rabbit, the the hair, the familiar. Yes. Um. You saw the images of the hag. You saw the seductress. You saw the witch flying. The so, apple. The apple. So you see all the telltale signs that people were terrified of back then. Yeah. And and I think that that is so. I think it's it's such a they did such a actually a twenty four like they do so many good things yeah yeah watch the lighthouse same yeah same company. and also have you seen the Green Knight I did I loved it I watched it uh, here at home this summer I got like one of those like rental you know didn't see it in the theater which would have been beautiful but I did I loved it it was fantastic see and that I think that's another one where I think a twenty four like they use a lot of folklore and they mm-hmm. and they incorporate a lot of that too and it, and it's so crazy because then you see other shows where it's like the reboot of charmed or it's like what is happening yeah <laughs> this is the um, thing that i think movies can do really well in a period where um tv shows have kind of taken over as the new movies and long form storytelling has become the new thing you know like Mayor of Easttown, you know, 20 years ago would have been Mystic River. You know, it would have been a two hour movie, you know, um, but now it's a miniseries, you know, that's sort of like, in other words, like a lot of the like drama, the movie dramas are being turned into like long TV shows. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think the thing that like movies can do really well in that place, obviously we're seeing it with the comic book stuff and the, but, but, but really going back and putting into visual media, some of these big old folk tales and myths like they did in Green Knight, you know, mm-hmm. just like, let's just get back to some of the basics and make some really big like 
what a cool how cool would it be to go back and make some of the Greek myths as a big two hour beautiful uh, right? I movie? Would love you know because you're not gonna get that on TV. TV, you got you got your you know you got your true crime drama and you got your like whatever you, whatever you want. That's great. Let's see some of these like big old stories being told um on the big screen that's what i think like movies could be be utilized for right now absolutely but i think the reason why people are so scared of doing that is because because of the the bombs that were the remake of clash of the titans and uh what was the other one that they did uh immortals or uh, something and it's they did these Greek myths, but they tried so hard to be Marvel movies. Yeah. yeah. Like, I don't know if you ever watched the the horror that was Gods of Egypt. Um, no, I remember, though, when it came out <laughs> and it did sound fascinating. And it's just but- like I I think it's like they try to make their own MCU universe, yeah. uh, DC Marvel. And instead of just doing the myths um but i do want to bring up one show that i will say like i remember the i this i was initiate or i was working towards being initiated into a coven and this show came out and aside from a few blips i will say the lore that they incorporated like i just have to talk about true blood because Mm -hmm. i think true blood was so good and tackled so many different mythologies um and they did such a great job like the one that i i think sticks out the most was the way that they had uh marianne and she was a a maenad Mm -hmm. um and she's like a a priestess of dionysus and i will tell you like when season two came out and that happened i was working towards like my initiation and you know they do they celebrate the bacchanal and and just like the dialogue that she had and like, I remember there's like one episode where she goes to, or they go to, I don't know. And they, they reference Dionysus as the God who never comes. Mm-hmm. And I think that just makes so much sense. But anyway, what was it like? I mean, for you, cause I mean, I see you now and you're the host of, of Bigfoot Collectors Club and you're very interested in folklore and, and you're interested in the supernatural and cryptids. Were you that way back then when you were doing this show? Oh yeah, for sure. And you know, I I loved all that and you know, I you know, the main ad stuff especially, you know, in the early seasons they were drawing more inspiration from the Charlene Harris books than they did in like the later seasons. You know, it kind of turned into its own thing and they sort of departed from the books, but yeah, I was totally into that stuff and of course like you make friends with the writers on set. So there were some things that, uh, especially Alexander Wu, who was one of the writers, I think for six of the seven seasons, I would pass things along to him and I'd be like, you guys should read this book. Um, this might have some good inspiration for you guys, you know? Um, so that was uh, absolutely, I mean, that was such a, it was a dream gig on one level because it was like working on an Alan Ball HBO show, which is something that I wanted to do because of six feet under and then being able to play in that supernatural realm was obviously something that I was so, so excited about. That is so awesome. Yeah. And, and I mean, you're, you're amazing and you're amazing in that show. 
Um, but I just remember watching that show and being like, wow, like they, mm-hmm. they use these real uh, elements of, of uh, supernatural and the occult. And, and, and I, I just, I loved it. And then I think I had my moment of like, maybe I'm not gay because I fell in love with Pam. Um, <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I don't think, I think Pam, vampires don't, you know, vampires are pansexual. So, yeah, you know, maybe you graduated from gay to pan. You graduated. But, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Proud of you. There we go. I graduated. graduated. Um, that was my like vampire <laughs> awakening. You evolved. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, uh, there we go. Um, but I, I love, like, you know, it, it is funny because I, I think of whenever, every time I've been on um, Bigfoot Collectors Club, um, I've loved it, and it, and I've learned so much, and and I think it's it's very interesting how, whether it be witchcraft or magic or or cryptids, you know, I think there was a lot of. Until I went on your show, I will say I did have a bias when it came to uh, cryptids. But now I recently went back to, and this was something I was going to tell you, but I, I was like, I'm just going to wait till I have you on the podcast. So I recently went back to Florida to visit my grandmother. And it was so interesting how much like in the South um, and, and people would be like, Florida is not the South, but it is. But like, like, I think, you know, you've heard of like, the bell witch but that lives in the same realm as mothman mm-hmm. which lives mm-hmm. in the same realm as bigfoot which lives in the same realm as like i don't know i think you we have these our folklore i think american folklore is ghosts and cryptids yeah that's a part of yeah. it oh for sure yeah 100 percent. and often cryptids seem to um walk the path between the spirit realm and the physical realm as well. And there are people who, uh, some of them might be co-hosts of my very own show, who think that there might be some sort of interdimensional aspect to some of these things. Um, I don't know. You know what I mean? They might be in a category all of their own, you know, and just science doesn't have an explanation for it yet. But for sure, yeah. 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 Yet. Yet being the operative word. Um, but, uh, I'm going to pull a card of the day cause that's kind of how we do it, like a little send off and then we'll talk about it. Um, and then, and when I'm in a card of the day, I'm in a card of the week since we yeah, record this week. weekly. <laughs> um, but I'm gonna let Francisco do it. Um, yeah. Cause he has this, uh, Santa Muerte deck, which is beautiful. Um, and, uh, and then I'll have. I'll do a send off and then we'll see where people can find Michael. Both pull a card from the deck. Oh, I'm pulling one too? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, but you got to read mine. And then pull one for my, no, pull one for Michael. Oh, okay. So we'll do. There we go. We're going to pull a card for you, Michael. Okay. Or one for me. This will be yours. And we have one for Michael. And you know, I'm pretty sure somebody will learn something from these also. Absolutely. Let's see. So for me, I have the Seven of Wands. So with Seven of Wands, what I'm getting right now instantly from this is I have a lot of ideas in my life. I have a lot of things that I want to do, a lot of things that I want to create for myself, but there are so many opposing forces. I have so many people that have told me or continue to tell me, well, you can't do that. Well, that's not really a part of who you are. That's not for you. That's all these opposing like forces. And 
the seven of wands reminds me you need to stay true to your own power you need to stay true to your own creativity there's always going to be opposing forces there's always going to be opposition why surrender my talents my creativity just to appease someone else's dream their, dream their dreams aren't mine i love it you know something to think about there we go let's see what we have for michael we have oh yes we have the two of coins pentacles in english right yeah pentacles, pentacles. okay in Spanish, well uh, coins yeah. you can say coins or the two of gold the, says yeah gold um so two of coins for michael so having a clear vision of what you want to see in your mundane success um hmm. there's a lot of things that you can be doing right now there's a lot of things that you want to do um you want to make sure you have a clear vision before you move forward because it's really easy to become infatuated very easy to become infatuated in success that we lose track of the path we're on right now so just make sure to carry that with you in order to have success you want to have a clear vision of where you're going boom okay that's have good. A, that I feel like that applies right now for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And then I, I also think too of coins. organization, mental organization, gymnastics I've been doing and yeah, to, to work. There we go. And usually like two coins too can also be like um, income coming from like multiple sources. Mm -hmm. So maybe there are multiple projects that you're working on. Yes. So keep That's an eye out for true. that. Okay, good. Mm -hmm. As long as there's like gold coins coming in i'm i'm good yeah but now that you know you know when you do get these multiple incomes coming you have to do that tithe to francisco and i so we'll oh, get yeah. a percentage oh okay um, okay gotcha sure 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> there we go <laughs> and the thing is the two of pentacles is kind of the very beginning of the journey that's you still true got three four five six seven eight nine ten and all that jazz yeah so it only it only gets bigger from there. yeah so i think this is still your this is still your your you haven't done your second act yet michael you know, that's mm -hmm. funny. That's the second time that terms come up this like, pentacles, second week. Time. No, the, the, the second act, you know. Look at that. I was talking about that with a friend and they're like, yeah, you're, you know, I think you're, I think you're starting your second act. Yeah, I think so, you are. And look at that two of pentacles, as Francisco said, two of pentacles, second act. Okay, I like that. Mm -hmm. There we oh, go. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling, feeling it. this. Let's see what we got for you, Mr. Dylan. Oh, I love oh the three of wands. Yay. Curiosity and exploration. What are you curious about? What Everything. Is, there is what I love about the three of wands is that it is inspiring you. This curiosity is giving you a passion to seek new things. There There's something go. new that you're working towards. So I want you to just be open to your curiosity, give in to that. Because girl, you you've got new stuff. And especially within the magical realm, too. I think I think I your path know. might have a little change soon. I think your path might open up to something bigger. Well, I have a shop. I have a podcast. I have two books. Now I need to be on a show. So that's my yes. goal. <laughs> Love it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to manifest that. Um, but uh, before we do our send-off, uh, Michael, since we are in the time of we're approaching Saturn, Saturnalia. So this is a time of clearing away the old and bringing in the new. And this is a witchcraft podcast. What do you feel that you would like to purge and what would you like to bring in? Oh, uh, it's so funny because I am in my office. Here's the other thing. This is also why we call the Collectors Club, Bigfoot Collectors Club, because I collect a lot of dumb shit. Like a lot Me of like, too. a lot of like, uh, pop cult, like, Got a lot of action figures and comics and all this stuff. So literally, 
I'm in the middle of going through my collection, figuring out also this happened during the pandemic. Um, I think a lot of us did this. I did a lot of like stress collecting where I would order things online and have them shipped to my house because I was alone for 18 months almost. So I am surrounded by my, it got to the point where my office is cluttered and I'm literally going through all of this stuff and going, okay, what do I want to keep? What are going to become the museum pieces of my collection? And then what can I get rid of? So there's a lot of like, I feel like, physical clutter and mental clutter that I am actively trying to get rid of old things that no longer work for me, you know? Um, Which is why I also thought it was funny that the two of coins came up during this moment. Yes. um, A literal answer is a lot of this junk that's in my office. That's cool, but can uh, be traded in or sold and make somebody else happy. So I want to get rid of that yeah. stuff. And then what was the other, what do I want to bring in? Yeah. Um, more, more space to grow. That's what I love I want. it. Yes. Room to grow. Room to grow. That. I love it. I think that's really, I think that's really awesome. I think that's a great thing to work towards. Mm-hmm. You know, we need that. That's very we, Especially in this day and age, I think we need space to grow. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, Michael, where can people find you? What are you working on? Um, well, let's see. Uh, come join me on, uh, and Bryce Johnson and Riley Bray on Bigfoot Collectors Club. Uh, we're on hiatus right now, but we're dropping some of the episodes that have been on our Patreon, BCC The Other Side. So we're, we have a new episode every Wednesday. Um, and then like we'll return with new, new episodes in, uh, January at some point. Um, and then I can't, announce anything yet but i am actually working on a second podcast which i have not announced yet so that's a bit of an exclusive scoop for you guys um that will also start in the new year probably late january early february we're recording it now and editing stuff i'm excited about it. it has nothing to do with the paranormal world um but uh it's sort of been a new uh projects for me that i'm 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 really having fun doing so uh listen to bigfoot collectors club and you'll find out when that show is also going to be announced so that's that and you can find me on instagram at mcmills m-c-m-i-l-l-z-z that's where i hang out uh sort of on social media i'm less and less on social media these days Aw, same. Um, well, I would be if it wasn't for my biz. Well, um, yeah. At Bigfoot Collectors Club as well. Go check out us there on Instagram. Absolutely. Well, Michael, thank you so much for being a part of uh, our podcast. Um, and remember, life's a witch. And, and so, so are you. you. <laughs> <laughs> say it in Spanish. Oh, uh, uh, no, I don't know. <laughs> well, thank you, Michael. Yeah, thanks. That was awesome. Um, I'm going to stop recording on my end now. And then what I will do is if I will just have this here, if for some reason my uh, you don't have my audio or whatever, Mm -hmm. I will uh, I can send this over to you and then, you know, you can figure out how to edit it together. You (laughs) rock. Um, I'm going to I'll come up with a little I'm doing a little promo thing and then I'll send that image to you. Um, Awesome. When is this when is it going to drop? 
soon. Probably okay. tomorrow. Oh, probably okay, great. tomorrow. All right, but if cool. it drops, yeah, because yeah. we usually do it on on Tuesdays and Fridays. That's how okay. we've been doing it. So if I can get my shit together in the next few hours, it may drop tonight. But if not, tomorrow. Oh, okay, sounds good. And I'll put it up on um the Bigfoot Instagram as you well. You so, rock. And let's cool, hang cool. out soon. Yeah. Yes, I gotta come to the store. I yes. Will, I promise. Okay. Okay. Talk to you Bye. later. Bye. Bye. Nice to meet you, Francisco. Nice to meet you too. You're amazing. Oh, thanks so much. Right back at you. <laughs> okay. Bye. Bye. Bye, guys.